Hey there! Are you tired of waiting for the next episode of It's Probably Not Aliens? Well, we've got some good news for you. On Nebula, our streaming service, you can get access to all our episodes a week early. That's right, you'll never have to wait again to hear Scott and I debunk the latest ancient astronaut theory or get a movie fact wrong. But that's not all. Nebula is home to dozens of content creators we know you like, so you can find all your favorites in one place. Plus, we post content on there that you won't find anywhere else. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and listen to the next episode right after this one. Tristan, I've mentioned this before, but if our podcast had an arch nemesis, it would be Eric Von Daniken. I thought it was John Carpenter, but okay. (laughs) That is true. Also, close second. But I bring this up just because, I don't know, I feel like we mention him a lot in in a lot of episodes. And is there like, could we possibly do one episode where we just don't mention Eric Von Daniken at all. I mean, excluding this part where I'm saying that let's not talk about him. This is like writing an essay without using the letter E. Um, Uh Uh-huh. Why? What's our topic today? So so today we're starting a little uh, sub-series, a podcast within a podcast, if you will, um, where we're going to profile some of these ancient astronaut dudes. And I have eight, yeah, eight pages of notes about Eric Von Daniken to talk about. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, dang. What a bad time to come up with this rule about not mentioning Eric Von Daniken. Oh, beans. Oh, beans. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. Actually, I have no idea. We t- we played around with the idea of potentially this being a multi-part uh, <laughs> you know, series. So who knows? I have no idea what's happening. But, you know, I'm interested. Ever since we, we started this podcast, we teased this idea of doing these sort of, um, you know, like uh, spotlights on some of the big names in ancient aliens and ancient astronaut theory. And people have really latched onto this idea and they've been wanting us to get into it. And it's only taken us about 32 episodes to start. And who better to start with than, uh, than the father of it all? I, I was going to call him the daddy of it all, but I did not want to reference Eric Von Daniken as a daddy. No, thank you. Yeah. Ruin me. Uh, fake history, daddy. <laughs> fake history, daddy. Um, yeah. So the, we're talking talking about the big ch- by the way this is it's probably not aliens a podcast about um ancient aliens and response to ancient astronaut theories and the show ancient aliens and pseudo archaeology and ufology and um you know this elevator pitch is getting more and more floors as we speak but um, <laughs> i know now we're on to biographies yeah so this is a i think this is a good one to talk about we have we'll, we'll kind of get into a few more profiles as this series goes along, I definitely have uh, one about David Icke that I would very much like to do at some point. Uh-huh. But the thing is, Eric von Daniken and the ancient, he's basic, he's not the person who invented ancient astronaut theory, which we'll get into a bit later, but oh, okay. he's almost synonymous with the term. And yes. he popularized it to the extent that he might, especially in the English speaking world, that he might as well be the father of ancient astronaut theory. And uh, even though he's the most well known 
well-known name in that field. He is not the most well-known name on this podcast uh, because we have names as yes. well. Oh, yes. Hi, yes. how's it going? I am your co-host, I suppose, Scott Nicewander. My job is to really just show up and learn and ask questions. And other than that, I know nothing. And I am Scott's co-host, Tristan Johnson, who does do, the, the, the frantic reading to fig to answer these questions uh to just settle all of my history nitpicks in a row and i'm excited to learn i'm excited to i actually really love i mean you know this about me and obviously about you you have a youtube channel about history i have a youtube channel that talks a lot about history even if it's not dedicated specifically to history but I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I have, uh, I, I'm just, I'm very interested, I'm very fascinated by history. And so, especially history about specific people. So I'm really excited about this episode. Oh boy, yeah, we've got a real, we got a real humdinger of an episode today. So yeah, as I mentioned, we're talking about Eric von Daniken, uh, the big guy uh, who you probably, if you are coming to this podcast, having watched episodes of Ancient Aliens, he's interviewed in nearly every episode, at least in the early episodes. Um, but almost every major ancient alien theory has either been written by or at least claimed to have been written by or plagiarized by or <laughs> or wholly fabricated by Eric von Daniken. He's at least in its vein. There's um, there's he's had such a huge impact in the realm of pseudoscience and pseudo history and pseudo archaeology that um, there are actually like I was reading this book to um, to talk about this and that in the 80s, there was this period where there was this this like acceptance that like pseudo history and pseudo archaeology is going to become the mainstream idea of what we think of when we think of the past. It's going to supplant actual history and actual archaeology just because Whoa. Eric Von Daniken and company were just getting so popular that it was just going to outshine like let so that the popular conception of like all these things was going to be the ancient astronaut theory on it. So that's why am I misunderstanding what the prefix pseudo is? Because in my head, pseudo always meant like not real. So the fact it means that, fake. Yeah. Okay. So it's just weird. I, I, that's what I figured. So it's just weird to hear like, yeah, pseudo archaeology is going to take over the mainstream, knowing that pseudo archaeology means like fake archaeology. I, I I wouldn't know if that's a good thing, Tristan. No, it's not. The person who was saying that was um, lamenting it. Okay, they were. Yes, that makes more sense to me now. I. Okay, that's good. I don't want that to happen either. Yeah, no, I, I, no one does. But yeah, Eric Von Daniken, interesting person, um, has a kind of twisting, turning story about how he became a mega famous author of um, made up history uh, and also a long list of crimes. So, so yeah. And claims about, you know, maybe whether or not he actually wrote some of the things that he says and all, all sorts mm. of, it goes all sorts of fun places, but yeah, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about Eric. Now let's, let's establish some ground rules here. Are we going to tackle this from an unbiased, totally, 
neutral standpoint, or are we are we just gonna let our our disdain for Eric Von Daniken fly a little bit here in this episode? I will reserve my judgment for all of the damage that he has done to history and archaeology and the public understanding of the past for the end. Okay, but I will talk rather neutrally about his life story uh, up until then. But um, but yeah, I definitely think that we will have some hostile leaning riffs because yeah i i think i'm gonna i'm gonna try my best to be neutral and non-judgmental all right so with that in mind let's learn a little bit about eric von daniken sure so yeah as you know, Eric von Daniken uh, has been written as possibly the most famous advocate of the existence of ancient astronauts, that they brought civilization to humanity and even mated with primitive humans to produce truly modern intelligent beings, i.e. us. That's that's his claim to fame. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm following so far. Our story of Eric von Daniken starts where a lot of horrible stories start in Switzerland. Oh, uh, Switzerland. Oh. Until you return so, uh, all of that Nazi gold, I'm going to make Switzerland jokes. It's fine. You know, I I had already decided that I was the very first thing you were going to say. I was going to let my guard of neutrality down and be like, oh, not that. Anything but that. That sucks. Uh, but then you just said Switzerland. And I was like, you know what? That's what's working for me. Mm-hmm. Ah, Switzerland. Oh, man. My great grandfather was from Switzerland. So I think I'm allowed to do this. I don't know. I have to, I have to stop leaning on that because I'm, I'm, I'm my, my ethnic pie chart is far too uh, mixed up for me to just like be able to claim everything. But um, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, but yeah, Eric von Daniken was born in 1935 in a city called um, Zofingen in Switzerland. Sure. And he grew up as the son of committed, dedicated Roman Catholics, as you do in Switzerland. Uh And he spent his childhood learning at a Catholic boarding school uh, called the School of St. Michel at Freiburg. But soon he would transfer to the School of of, of Hard Knocks. Right? I mean, he was a, reportedly a very... Okay, let me just hear this. Let me just like read this through and see if this makes us both as ADHD people feel like maybe there's some kinship here. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He apparently was, quote, a nonconformist as well as a, quote, disinterested student who had poor mm-hmm. grades and re- behavior your problems. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Everything you're saying right now sounds really familiar. So he was already like, you know, a bit all over the place, which, you know, honestly, you know, mood. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he did not just have trouble with his uh, Catholic school. He was also a member of the Boy Scouts and they also had some issues with him, but not really to do with his. Well, I guess it was to do with his behavior, but not not like, you know, acting out or, you know, being hyper or whatever, but more in the embezzling money um, aspect. Ah. So he was already off to a good start Um, there. He was actually apparently investigated uh, by a local magistrate for possibly stealing from the local Boy Scouts treasury. Wow. So. Wow. Getting in early, Eric. Mm -hmm. And he went to the school until basically like until he was about, you know, 18 years old or 19 years old. Uh, in 1954, he left and he went to uh, work as a he went to Bern, which is a big city in Switzerland, and went to go work as a bartender in a hotel. 
Ah, oh, rad. Yeah, so far, so so good. You know, uh, acting out, possibly stealing from the Boy Scouts. We're off to, you know, and then yeah. you know, getting a job as a bartender. There, yeah, there's some ups and downs. There's some there's some very normal stuff and then some very like, oh, I don't know about that one. But otherwise, you know, this this feels unremarkable in a lot of ways so yeah. far. I like bartending. I, I yeah. have a bartending license. I I, I, I I respect that drip. But unfortunately, he couldn't do he couldn't keep doing uh, a normal thing like being a bartender, which is a cool and respectable profession. Absolutely. Uh, instead, he took an interest in archaeology. So he would save up all of his all of his bartending money and uh-huh. go on trips around the world to find ancient sites. That was his like hobby. Again, same. I, I, I love that idea as someone who sure. in 2011 at the age of like 23 went to uh, Mexico City uh, with like no money on my own. Yeah. I Yeah, Yeah, there's nothing wrong with wanting to travel and see the world and see the cool places. Mm -hmm. In 1960, he met Elizabeth, who he married, and he is uh, still married to today. They're still together. Oh, that's that's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently they had this very sweet gig where they worked together in hotels and restaurants all around Switzerland. So far, sounds pretty based. Pretty good life so far. Honestly, pretty normal. Why are we even talking about this guy? Well... The thing is, the old Boy Scout itch started coming back because uh-huh. Von Daniken seemed to have issues, as I, as the book that I found about him uh, so eloquently wrote, he seemed to have trouble distinguishing between his money and other people's money, which <laughs> makes sense. It's going on all of those trips on a bartender salary. I got to tell you, bartending is fun. It is not profitable. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So starting starting to get a little, uh, a little what, like sticky fingers? What are we talking about here? Yeah, so he had um, various charges charges and convictions for both fraud and petty theft, Uh which had resulted in him receiving multiple fines and spending a bunch of time in prison. Hmm. Swiss prison. Eric, you're better than this. Come on. He also took an interest in ufology in this period. Uh, He believed that extraterrestrials, like he, you know, he was getting into UFO stuff. Keep in mind that this is the 50s, 60s, and uh, Roswell was about the beginning of the UFO craze, so he was definitely walking in during that period. Yeah, I was going to ask. I was going to say what what was the specific reason for for his sudden interest, and then, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. A big... uh, Potential alien spaceship crash cover up. Ooh, very interesting indeed. So if he's got these, if he's got these two, I'm just going to guess, take a little guess here. If he's got these two little hobbies and interests of both history and uh, UFOs, I'm sure at some point they would collide together in uh, in some unfortunate ways. Yeah. So he started to uh, travel the world and he started to think about this possibility that ancient astronauts had visited Earth sometime in prehistory. Uh, Mm. Apparently, he was inspired by this by a visit to Mexico in which he saw um, the ruins at Palenque, which, if you remember from a previous yeah. episode, is the whole thing about King Pakal yeah, and the we rocket ship. About that. Yeah. yeah, so he went and saw that, and that apparently was the thing that inspired him to go down this rabbit hole of looking into all of these things and claiming that they were aliens. Gotcha. What's interesting, though, is that he's not the first person to have done this, and in the sort of burgeoning field of ufology that was growing in the 1960s, 
the ancient astronaut theory like was kind of marginalized in UFO circles uh-huh. because they thought that it was too unscientific and sensationalistic what? Uh, and that it would bring the serious study of UFOs into disrepute. Oh, I see. So it was it wasn't that they were saying aliens are too out there and too wild. It, they were just saying, come on, we want to actually study UFOs and not not, not make this wild, out, outrageous of claims. Yeah, exactly. And Von Daniken completely 180'd this uh, sort of no, position in the UFO was circles. was not listening to it. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. So we got the 1960s in between bouts of going to prison for fraud and theft. Uh-huh. Uh, Von Daniken starts piecing together all of these, you know, esoteric theories about all of this ancient astronaut stuff. And he starts writing his first book, uh-huh. possibly one that is on my desk right now that I'm looking oh, at. Oh, no. Um, yeah. And so in 1966, he wrote this book and started submitting it to different publishing houses. Apparently, 22 rejections later, he was a little bit dismayed. <laughs> um, but in 1967, he approached a person by the name of uh, Thomas Von Rando, who was the science editor of a weekly uh, magazine or newspaper called Diziet, to see if they would publish his magazine or publish it instead of publishing it as a book publishing it as a series of articles oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i remember I, I came across this in my research that we did uh for the video that we did about the eternals and uh eric von daniken yeah so von rando apparently took this uh book and looked it over and thought that no this is not uh suitable for a, a, a newspaper but that it did need to be a book. Like he's like, this yeah. is not this is, this shouldn't go in, our, in my publication, but you should definitely get this published somewhere. So Von Rando apparently uh, called a guy by the name of Edwin Barth von Vernalp, um, who was the head of a organization or a company called Econ Publishing, which is one of the presses that had already turned down one of uh, Von Daniken's manuscript. He made that call and basically told uh, Von Vernalp that he should meet with Von Daniken. There's a so lot we got of Von Rando, Von Vernalp, and Von Daniken. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of Vons happening in, in this story. It's like the German version of like uh, somebody with a French name starting with de. It just yeah. means like of something, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do, you know, subject matter aside, there is something sort of delightful about Von Daniken getting 22 rejections and then like going to someone else and being like, look, I've been trying to get this as a book i understand it's not going to be a book could you maybe just like split it up and put it in these other and the, you know publish it as like a serialized thing i don't know man i just need something and then that that person just like no it must be a book like subject matter aside if it was any other book that would be like a triumphant it, yeah. would, it would be heartfelt mm-hmm. uh, but unfortunately this book sucks ass yeah so that's the thing is that um von Daniken's story is in many ways like a uh like a, a dark success story yeah because um, he's never really he hasn't really had much of a comeuppance quite yet so what happened was is that they agreed to meet for lunch all the vons yeah yeah von uh specifically von vernop and von daniken would meet for lunch and gotcha. apparently von daniken is a very charismatic guy because by the end of lunch uh he agreed that econ was going to buy his book and uh publish about six thousand copies yeah. uh, by the time lunch was over so very very uh oh, very i mean yeah 
his charisma is not in question. Like even in the episodes of the show he's on, like you can tell he's really into what he's talking about. Uh, you know, it's the charisma is not the problem. It's it's the knowledge and the <laughs> the everything else. Uh, reportedly afterwards, then they sent it to a guy by the name of Wilhelm Rogersdorf. Um, who is a screenwriter who apparently might have like significantly rewrote the book. Really? Yeah, this is this is something that's a little bit like, you know, rumor and hearsay. But apparently Von Daniken maybe was had interesting ideas, but wasn't exactly the strongest writer. And so once he like got sold on the ideas, they're like, all right, I'm going to bring in the editor. And this editor apparently like went to town on this book. What came out of the process was a book by the name of Erin Rungen an die Zuknuft. We're going to get some German listeners who are going to just... I think that was perfect. Erin Rungen an die Zuknuft. Okay. Something (laughs) something in there. Somewhere in that. Um, But apparently this roughly translates to memories of the future. That's um, really poetic, honestly. I bet it would be even more poetic if we had a proper German pronunciation. Sw- was it Swiss? German? Swiss, yeah. I, the Swi- I mean, Switzerland, they speak like Italian, French, German, and a indigenous language called Romunsch. Okay. But uh, it sounds like this is all German. It sounds like this is all German. I bet it would be even better in, na- in a native German's tongue. Probably. So apparently Von Daniken had a, a very different idea of what... This book was like the thesis of what this book was supposed to be in opposition to like what actually came out. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it was supposed to speculate on all these things in order to inspire people, like basically to inspire space exploration. Because, you know, it was the 60s and okay. space was becoming like this big thing. And so oh, yeah. he wanted to he wrote all about like, oh, look, all this like possibility that the ancient astronauts came. Shouldn't this inspire us to like go into space and do more space exploration? And he was saying that like because like, you know, we are the children of aliens that our destiny is also to go out to the stars. Oh. Yeah, so like that that our imperative should be to return and find our um find our progenitors. It's yeah, yeah, we're we're to the the idea of memories of the future is like, you know, we're discovering that aliens visited humanity and and thus we must go out into the stars as well as they did once upon a time. Yeah, mm-hmm. that make, that's yeah. I, I mean, again, it's poetic. I don't hate it. I think it's I think it's lovely. The, yeah. Just the idea of it, let alone. I mean, I I do not care for the actual book. I'm just I can't stress that enough. Yeah. Here's the thing, though, and this is this actually plays very much into your only context, no content uh, policy, yeah, which like is that. that he released this book in 1968. Uh, 1968, you did not need to sell people on space flight or uh, or on like our destiny being in the stars. It was the 60s. Oh, yeah. The space race was at its maximum heat. We were a year from landing somebody landing on, the on the moon. moon. Yeah. So like what happened was is that this book comes out with this thesis that, you know, humanity should go to the stars. People don't particularly, you know, like that doesn't really move them because everyone's already sold on space flight. Yeah, they're like, yeah, man, duh. But the ancient alien stuff really captured their imaginations mm. and that is what really people latched onto. and so this book uh would go on to become a, a really huge bestseller and i'm going to go into what happened to von daniken after the release of uh memories of the future as i'm going to awesome. call it fantastic i'm excited to hear about but it but first no but first uh we need to get our own uh like von daniken we also need to get money from other people so um products and services <laughs> 
this. We're going to go steal a whole bunch of money. Be right back. Oh, man, I stole me a golden turlet. Uh, I only stole me a, a spare piece of drywall. That wasn't a very helpful thrift at all. I got I to gotta tell you, I got to put a story in this. Um, so I'm currently playing in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign where we're doing like Curse of Strahd and we're like in this castle to save this person who's gone missing. Mm-hmm. And we're like, this person could be dead. We have no idea where they are. This is an oh, emergency. No. We need to be rushing as fast as possible. We yeah. spent the first like 50 minutes to an hour of our last session um, trying to, we found some chests full of coins and just trying to see how much of it we could just stuff into our backpacks as possible. Uh-huh. Um, just how much of it we could just cram and still be able to walk. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, all right, now that we have it, like, including like 50,000 pennies, basically. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, okay, like, how do we fit 50,000 pennies in our backpack? And like, what are we doing? Are we supposed to be saving a person? Oh, right. Yeah, let's go do that. And that's how much money we made on that ad break. Mm-hmm. 50,000 pennies. Yep, approximately 500 gold. So back to Eric Von Daniken. Um, do we have to? Yeah, we do. We could talk do. about D&D for the rest of the episode. That's a different podcast. Although um, mm, I, I smell a, uh, I smell like a holiday special uh, of an ancient astronaut themed D&D one shot. That sounds session? like something. Oh, that would be fun. Hey, if you want to see that, uh, go follow us on Twitter at Probs Not Aliens. And let there you us go. Know. All right, let's talk about Eric Von Daniken, I guess. So Eric Von Daniken was not the first person to write about ancient astronauts, but he definitely uh, flung it into fame. As it said, uh, a combination of good timing and an emerging hunger for these kinds of ideas. There was a really big interest in space. There was really big interest in UFOs. There was really big interest in like, you know, like a kind of like alternative, like, you know, kind of spiritually stuff. Yeah. All that stuff was kind of coming together at one time. And then this book comes out. That's like, I I, I figured out how to make chocolate, peanut butter and a third thing. Yeah. <laughs> we've mixed this other thing to get. We've mixed all of these ideas that you are craving. This is an incredibly craveable book. And mm-hmm. I've got all the things that you need inside of here. Just read yeah. it. In the 1960s, traditional religion was starting to uh, suffer. And uh, a lot of young people were no longer part of like the traditional church. And so a lot of disillusioned people started to see ancient astronaut theory as sort of a new kind of religion. It was, yes, suited to a time period where we were, um, you know, where we were moving away from, you know, tradition and religion and moving towards things that sounded scientific and historical. But but still trying to find some sort of spirituality in the scientific, you know? Yeah. And, and, And I will say that this book sounds like it's history and sounds like it's scientific, even if it's all, you know, fake and wrong, but it it kind of fits that like like vein. And if you are kind of in the process of leaving religion, this is a thing to sort of fill that religion shaped hole uh, with something that sounds believable. Yeah. And it even sounds it feels a little spiritual as well as we're, as you're talking about, you know, other ancient civilizations that may have worshipped aliens as gods and like you know what does that mean for you and like what does that mean for us as humanity and yeah I don't know it, there's there's big questions in there about about humanity and about our place in the universe and and it it just it ticks all of these boxes that makes you that just like fits 
perfectly into this little piece of time that that everyone's interested in all of these ideas. Now, this is from a book called Invented History or Invented Knowledge. Sorry. Um, so there's a I, 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 this connection. I'm not going to I don't think I can make myself think as the author, but I, I want to put it out there because okay. this sort of like pseudo religion popping up around ancient astronauts uh, theory even if it has no basis in fact, didn't deter that in this period, possibly inspired by this, a whole bunch of UFO or ancient alien cults started to pop up. Probably the most famous ones you would know about are Heaven's Gate. Um, is that, are you familiar with Heaven's Gate? I, the, You know, it sounds familiar. I'm not really up to date on my cults. Uh, so, so Heaven's Gate was a, I remember, this is like one of those like, because like, I was like a child when this happened. It's one of the, um, one of those like uh, primordial child memories that you only half remember but it was a cult that basically believed it was a ufo cult that believed i don't exactly like they're that a ufo is going to come by and basically beam up their souls and uh in 1995 i want to say they committed mass suicide um and what like what was like really like the thing that everyone remembers is that like they all wore this same like nike shoes and these like track suits and there was like this this footage that I can like still like I can see clear as day in my head of like people walking through the house and every everybody's like lying in like these bunk beds and you they are they're covered with um, covered with blankets and you can just see their feet sticking out and like they're all dead. Oh. Um, it was like, yeah, is Heaven's Gate and, and the fact that like because of um, their host, Heaven's Gate's website is still up and it like looks like 1995 still. Well, most of that story was grim, but mm. I do love old websites. But uh, but yeah, like Heaven's Gate uh, reportedly has inspiration from, you know, Von Daniken's theories. Another one that is probably more common and a little bit less uh, overtly. Uh, no, it's it's much. It's also sad and very, very dark, which is also oh. the Church of Scientology. Oh, come on. Probably the most successful ancient alien cult to have sprung up and, you know, by a very Von Daniken-esque figure in L. Ron Hubbard. Yeah. <laughs> um, do we need to do an episode about sci- the Church ooh, of Scientology? I mean, that would be really fun. Uh, because yeah, L. Ron Hubbard definitely, uh, and Scientology is quite a bit, but there's also a really great behind the bastards two-parter on L. Ron Hubbard that I would probably say is way better, but Scientology and the Scientology ancient astronaut claims. I mean, that's always something fun to do. Let us know if you want our particular spin on it. Um, yeah, but most people read Von Dan- read Von Daniken because they like the it sort of had this quirky and offbeat, uh, description of artifacts and events from ancient times. Um, and it was so much more fun to read than, you know, conventional archaeology, because one of the things that kind of stuck out is this is before, like a lot of like public uh, facing yeah. academics was like not less of a thing back then. Mm-hmm. And so this was talking about history and archaeology in an accessible way that was, you know, fun and and really, really tuned for public consumption when like, you know, a lot of archaeology was just dry, dense science stuff right would you and then i would you say that talking about history in a fun and accessible way is is also how you would describe uh the youtube channel step back it is and to the point where that um there was a time where i when i applied for my phd my my like letter of intent was very
very much about this being the goal that I want to do with my life. But yeah, step back. Oh, Great channel. Yeah. Very big fan. Amazing. I mean, yeah, it's, it's important. It's important to be able to to talk, to, to teach people about history and these really important and interesting subjects in a way that is interesting and really is engaging. And it just sucks that the person who is able to do that so effectively is someone who got it so wrong. Mm -hmm. yeah. So when this book, uh, this book did gangbusters in German and it got translated to a bunch of languages and where it really, really went wild is when it was translated in English under the title chariots of the gods there it is we yeah. said it uh, yeah it was a bestseller it was translated into english appearing in britain in 1969 and the united states in 1970 and oh boy everyone loved it it was written in a conversational style that makes for like you know very enjoyable reading and um it was very easy to uh suspend disbelief while reading it and it took off selling millions of copies to the point where by December of the year that it was released, it had become the best-selling book in West Germany. That's amazing. I, again, I'm like trying to like go back to being neutral about Eric von Daniken for a second and just be like, wow, good job, Eric. You did it. We love a success story. We love, we, I was going to say we love a girl boss. Oh my God. who Eric von Daniken is. Anyway. Um, okay. Um, yeah. My brain is rotten on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> it was it is it was it took off it uh got translated in a bunch of languages after that uh there was a television documentary based on it there was even a theatrical film which he reportedly got mad at because like they sold the rights to the book to make it into a movie. But mm. then the movie turned out to be like basically like a science fiction movie. And Eric Fontanakin wasn't a fan of that. He was like, no, hey, this is real. No, that's like when you take the Da Vinci Code and you make it a fictional movie. That's uh, not fun. There's an episode in the future of me just ripping on. Like I'll, just, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do like I <laughs> I have read, uh, I think, two of the Dan Brown like pseudo history novels yeah uh followed by and i think i actually like the third one the one that is took place in washington dc uh, i literally could not finish it was so like i it was just his it was just driving me nuts and like i know it's fiction and it's fine yeah um but then like they started doing stuff like uh like you know uh da vinci code tours and stuff like that in europe and i was like Mm. people believe this shit i hate it well i mean I, look we're, we're only partly through this episode so far and i'm loving it so i i suspect more biography episodes are on the horizon in some <laughs> capacity yeah so um in the dan brown sense chapter 423 uh <laughs> moving on to the next thing so obviously chariots was a, a mega hit and people yeah. wanted more von daniken more ancient aliens more and von daniken was ready to give it to them not slowing down for anyone yeah he has been able to write i think at this point over 30 books about ancient astronaut theory although many people will point out that a lot of his books especially his most like recent books are more just reshufflings and rewrites of chariots of the gods i was which gonna ask gives me quite yeah. a vibe for ancient aliens because Ancient Aliens also feels like it's constantly <laughs> rewriting and just like, you know, rephrasing itself as we move on. Yep. The, how many seasons can we get out of the same dozen theories? Mm -hmm. Yeah. At some point, you got to run. I mean, you're a historian. You can tell me I'm way off base here. But at some point, you just run out of history, right? Like at some point, the Call of Duty video games had to move away from World War II, you know? Yeah. I mean, unless you want to just go the history route, which is just finding ever new ways to to look at the same evidence and, you know, 
all sorts of wacky ways. So like you could do it, but like the fact is like uh, apparently I have not read the 30 plus uh, repertoire of, uh, of, of Von Daniken, but it sounds like it's a lot of just reshuffling and rewriting the same thing without adding new analysis or new content or anything like that. Doesn't sound like he's breaking new ground. No. So there's there's a lot of thought that a lot of Von Daniken's like later works are a lot are very uh, repetitive and derivative. So 1970s, you know, or like this week, like Von Daniken was on top of the world. Everything was going great. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then he started to get they started to get approached by another uh, big fan of his work. And that was Interpol who oh, had no. some questions about the boy scout was it the boy scout stuff that he oh was this is much bigger than the boy scout oh, stuff okay. um so it turns out that he didn't pay some taxes uh oh, no. for his business and then as interpol started to look more into his activities they turned out that he had probably about 350,000 British pounds worth of personal debt, <gasps> which is equivalent to, uh, this is in 1968, by the way, which uh-huh. is equivalent to about 750,000 American dollars. American dollars in 1968 or today? Yeah, in 1968. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna go to inflation calculator real quick. Because I need to know what that means today. Oh, do you want to guess? Do you want to take a good guess? I'm going to say about two and a half million. Oh, it is over six million dollars. Oh my god. Six million dollars. Also, inflation is so bad. Yeah. Oh man. So he was arrested, um, yeah. put in front of put in front of a court that <laughs> uh-huh. found him guilty, and he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison along with a fine. Uh, but luckily, at the same time, his book was a bestseller around the world. So he was uh just raking in those royalty checks, and by the time he was was out of prison, he had already paid off all of his fines and all of his debts. Because of the book did so good. Yeah. So can you imagine like having like, can you imagine like making your most viral video ever and then being put in prison and you have to like sit in prison while like that, mm. you could just like see on the dashboard that one of 10 uh, just, just show, just shown crazier and crazier numbers. Uh, That's yeah. a very insider YouTube uh, <laughs> reference there. Say. And he did try to get his conviction nullified, which was unsuccessful, but he he did not um, have to serve his full sentence. Some people, I'm not saying us, but some people might think that this is a sign that Von Daniken might not be the most honest or person no. of integrity. No, 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 no. And no, that no. that might cast some doubt on his works that claim to be about facts and analysis and stuff. They're saying his big amounts of debt, it makes him look sort of like a, a grifter, a little swindler sort of a guy. Just a little bit. Yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah. a little bit, a little bit. Okay, that is certainly one. I, I won't argue with that. That's certainly one way you could look at it. I would say all the things he got wrong also prove that he's not <laughs> knowledgeable. There's that too. Um, he also started to run afoul of uh, the church. And so German churches started uh, openly criticizing him in the media mm. um, because he they thought that he was trying to replace God and an- like because of all the you know stuff about the Bible, replacing yeah. God and angels with aliens. They're probably not a big fan of Von Dan. Anakin then, yeah. No. So that led to an interesting thing of him going to prison around the time that these churches were criticizing him. Mm-hmm. So there's a conspiracy theory that Danikin's legal problems were trumped up uh, because the clergy basically like, uh, like, like it was like a setup by the church. They got <laughs> um, him. They got him. Stop talking. 
talking about angels and gods and things like that. Get out of here. We don't like you. So despite the fact that he has a long history of uh, the this kind of behavior, there's a lot of people who thought that he was he was set up. And so he was able to play the martyr. Oh, my God. That's so annoying. Also during the 1970s. And you can imagine because we've talked about this in our I think it was like the third or fourth episode of this show mm-hmm. uh, about what kind of damage this caused in the 1970s. Uh, they translated they translated the book into Bengali and it became a huge mega seller in India. Uh, I'm sure that that's not going to have any effect on right wing Indian nationalism at all. Oops. In 1978, he also became the subject of a documentary called The Case of the Ancient Astronauts, which was done by Nova. And it was basically a thorough debunking of all of his ideas and pointing out all of his fabrication uh, all of his fabricated evidence. Oh, wait. So the case of the ancient astronauts was not, it was not a case for the ancient astronauts. No. It was against it fully. So Ancient Aliens is based on a book that was debunked in 1978. Great. <laughs> yeah. Um. So all of these things together led to him kind of having a loss of popularity. He had a difficult time finding a publisher for any of his new books. And for a while, he wrote uh, he wrote his 10th book in 1982 called The Gods and Their Grand Design. And it was his last book to appear in English for a long period of time. He couldn't get English translators mm. for his work. Although, even though he couldn't get books published in English, he was still writing books in German. And between 1983 and 1994, he published 11 books. Oh my, what am I doing? Yeah. Kristen, what am I doing? I'm sitting here like, oh, I've only made two videos this year. He made 11 books in as many years, I think. Yeah, he's basically yeah. clipping out a book a year. Uh, in 1996, he wrote a book called Eyes of the Sphinx and managed to have that translated into English. So he was starting to come back because Uh-oh. something interesting was going on in the 90s um, mm. in the realm of UFOs and interests. So on the 10th of September, 1993, a little TV show on Fox started to take America by storm. Mm. A little show called The X-Files. The show that our theme song is a ripoff of? Yeah. Amazing. So, so, so The X-Files became like a mega hit in America and around the world. And wouldn't you believe it that that uh, sparked people's interest in Eric Von Daniken again? And he had a sort of second life, not second life, like the place where uh, people go to have sex on the Internet or something. Yeah. But like a second. Uh, was that second... also popular in 1993? No, no, no. It looks like it's from 1993, but no. it sure does. I have nothing against second life. You know, you do you. Um, I don't I don't know anything about it. I know very little about it. So the thing. So so the X-Files comes out. Huge thing. And sort of like re rebring rebrings back. Wow, um, that's like when I said once to my wife, I was like, oh, I need to fig- I need to pull out some chicken. We need to dethaw it tomorrow. And I was like, wait a minute, that's not that's de-thaw- not how that works. I need to dethaw fr- the chicken. Refreeze it. That's funny. <laughs> um, so, Exiles so comes out. <laughs> Eric yeah, Von so, Daniken making waves again. But here's the thing. Um, the X-Files also in the show had a bunch of different paranormal stuff happen in the show. But one of them was that there were alien visitations in the ancient past. So ancient astronaut theory oh. actually like played a role in the plot of the X-Files. 
Uh, I don't know because I was watching it with my dad and I was, this is 1993, so I would have been four years old and I found that show very scary. So mm. I, I did. It is. I mean, yeah, I, I felt the same way. Did, did other, this is just like a, you might not know this, maybe you do. Do we know if X-Files affected anything else outside in a similar way outside of this? Like, I'm sure people started believing in aliens more in general, like or if they did other like episodes about, I don't know, lizard people or Bigfoot or whatever. Did like those episodes also spark interest in that sort of stuff? I don't know. That is very good to what I would like to. That's a question I would very much like to answer. I don't know the answer, but uh, I do know that it did lead to a uh, re like a growth in uh, or revitalization of interest in UFOs and stuff. We kind of talked about this in like the Roswell thing. Remember like how this is also around the time that like the alien autopsy stuff started coming out and like the um, the um, unsolved mysteries episode on Roswell and And so like in the 90s, there was this big resurgence in interests in UFOs. Furthermore, and this is I'm only saying this because it's uh, really kind of veering into the content of my next video. But it also was a time of a growing conspiracy theory mindset in America. Mm. This was the time of uh, major standoffs at places like Ruby Ridge and Waco, which was leading to these groups of like militia people who were uh, very much tied into this idea that the federal government was like, you know, evil and doing all these conspiracies. And um, I mean, that ultimately led to the Oklahoma City bombing, which is what my video is about. But um, yeah, so like there was like a bunch of stuff going on. I kind of talked about this um, off camera or off mic with you at one point about how this is um, why I think that Men in Black is like the the 90s movie because it uh, hits on two things that were really, really big in American paranoia at that time, which is um, like illegal immigrants and aliens. And that the first scene, the opening scene in uh, Men in Black is literally them stopping a group of like uh, of immigrants uh, coming across the American southern border. And then they're like, ha, oh, we're going to stop you. And then you're like, oh, this is like kind of like, you know, this is an illegal immigrant thing. And then they're like, everyone move aside. We're going for that guy who's the alien alien. And it's like, uh-huh. that's the whole that was the whole joke. We as kids didn't realize they were doing we a racism. And now look at Will Smith. Where's he at now? <laughs> Just, <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised that story still has legs. I thought that was one of those stories that people would have forgotten like 12 hours after it was over, but no, it's I'm still sure going. by the time I'm up, I'm editing this episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing too came out in the sort of same time, probably writing on that same popularity was this, um, little Kevin Bacon film called Stargate. Oh, we've gotten requests to watch this and make an episode about it. Yeah. It was weird because I'm like a huge science fiction fan, but I've actually, I've seen Stargate the movie, but I haven't watched any of the like many, many TV show spinoffs. Mm. And so I probably should at some point, but, um, the movie Stargate, uh, the plot of it is about the discovery of a alien artifact in ancient Egyptian ruins. Yeah, that, that makes um, sense why we've been asked to do an episode about it. <laughs> yeah, because like ancient aliens basically or ancient astronaut theory basically is the premise of Stargate that like makes sense. There is like a portal like that. There's portals between worlds that are like basically based in, you know, in that ancient Egypt was aliens yeah. and. And that, yeah, the mythology of the gods of ancient Egypt were actually like these parasite aliens. 
the movie actually didn't do super great, but in 1997, they made a TV show called Stargate SG-1, which had tons and tons, like, you know, it was on the air forever. And then they did a spinoff series called Stargate Atlantis, which ran from 2004 to 2009. And I'm hearing uh, scuttlebutt that they're trying to bring Stargate back yet again. And I, I like... One of my good friends, Mia Mulder, is a huge fan of Stargate, uh, and yeah. she says it's very good. And so I probably should watch it. Them, at some I'll, point. I'll watch it. Yeah, we'll do a whole, we'll do a, a whole additional podcast where we watch Stargate episode by episode. No man. Uh, the other thing too is that there was a movie called Stargate: The Arc of Truth, mm. which was a, a movie based on the TV shows, and it was a 2008 direct to DVD release. <laughs> uh, <laughs> one of those, one of those great ones. So think about. So you're you're riding high. Things are yeah, going great. Yeah. 90s are going great for, for Eric Von Daniken. Oh. What, what is the next step after you write a bunch of hit books? What would you do next? What would I do? So I wrote a bunch of hit books. I got all the money in the world, but I, I imagine. And if not, I can always steal some work. I'm Eric Von Daniken. But what I would do is probably settle down, say that I have enough, say that I'm done with, with my thing, with my grift, with my, you know, maybe just do some stuff for me. You know what I mean? Incorrect. The answer is start a theme park. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That makes my that thing that actually makes way more sense than what I was saying. Yeah, in the Swiss uh, in the Swiss city of Interlaken, um, he started a place called Mystery Park in 2003. Um, one ticket cost thirty eight dollars to get in, and um, that's nice. I mean, compared to Disney, that's not bad. <laughs> And Von Daniken, apparently this park went really, apparently uh, Mystery Park was just extremely popular uh, competing with all of the various wonderful things that you can do as a tourist in Switzerland, which is a lot. Um, this podcast brought to you by the Tourism Council of Switzerland. Um, <laughs> uh, so the park did so well that uh, it opened in 2003 and closed in 2006. So it didn't even last the entire time I was in high school. <laughs> mm, I did also run this through the inflation calculator. Uh, not a big, not a big uh, difference as last time. It was about sixty dollars today. There you go. Which is not as fun as the other thing that I said earlier. Now the book that I uh, I got a lot of this from. It, it came out in two thousand nine. So the way that it ends, it's like Von Daniken continues to write to this day, and his like latest book came out in two thousand nine. And it looks like he's his uh, his career is really on the down, like is really on the downward slope. And um, I'm like, it, they don't know. They don't know what's coming. But we know that. Yeah, we, we know that he's 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 kept going. His latest book is called. Um, all right, let's get this one. This is a, this is a mouthful. Confessions of an Egyptologist, Lost Libraries, Vanished Labyrinths and the Astounding Truth Under the Saqqara Pyramids, which came out in 2021. So he's, he's, he's still at it. And now because of the popularity of Ancient Aliens on the History Channel, he's he's riding high. Now, I think Ancient Aliens might be past its, you know, its peak popularity wise. Probably. But but, uh, but I think that he's still, you know, he's pretty old at this point. Like he's uh, coming up on, I think he's like in, I, he's in this uh he's almost 90 so like you know he's 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 up there but he's still at it he's been yeah. at this game for over 50 years now goodness well done eric i mean not really well everything you've done is not well done but mm -hmm. you know good on you for keeping it going i guess why am i like b being on his side more than not i don't know what's <laughs> happening I don't know, but uh, in part two, we'll do a little bit on how he keeps thinking of all of these original ideas. Yeah, all right. So 
we know that his career did not end in 2009. It continues on to this day. And we'll mm-hmm. learn more about that next time, I suppose. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of It's Probably Not Aliens. Follow us on Twitter at Probs Not Aliens. That would be mm-hmm. amazing if you could do that. Uh, let us know if you like these sort of biography episodes. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, where can people find more of you? Uh, you can go to stepbackhistory.com and I make videos about history. I, I just finished filming my first my first shooting session since December of 2021. So I'm uh, I'm finally getting back on the post baby um, video making train. Yeah, you're 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 the in the post baby post baby sort of mindset. Yeah, yeah. post baby post production. Um, you can find me at NerdSync. It's a YouTube channel. N e r d s y n c. If you want to, it's I think it's probably the best YouTube channel, but. Uh, that's just really what I have to say about that's it. That's what they're saying in YouTube Weekly. Yeah, they're publishing all about it. It's a huge hit. All of my very good videos. To be fair, you do write all the articles in that magazine, but you know. it's a little biased. Unlike this episode where I was very unbiased about Eric Von Daniken the entire time. Um, hey, leave reviews on this on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. All, all of you who do that. Uh, it's the only way that we can really grow. It's reviews and telling your friends. Yeah. And so until next time, the truth is out there. Probably. That's an X-Files thing. The truth, yeah, yeah.